the 2021 season upon us, about to start. Who better to take you through it than the boys from 12 rows back? Really ready to kick into this. We've got a season preview just to get your football fix ready to go. Go on a different tact uh, with our predictions that we've got here. Something new for you and something to take away. I'm pumped. Seb, how are you traveling? Oh, it couldn't be better, Tom. Love looking at teams and I love telling people where they're going to go well. And I probably love a little bit more reminding them where they're not going to go well at all. And I've got a few uh, few little extreme predictions here today. Uh, so we've done, for those, this is the first time we've done it. Obviously, we launched mid COVID last year. So season preview, we're going to give you a ceiling and a floor for each team. Uh, a remember me, so a player who you may have forgotten about from that particular team. And then we've each got an extreme viewpoint or extreme prediction. And I tell you, there are some coaches who are getting sacked this year. Yeah, a few extreme ones in there. So we, we've taken a different tact this year. We, we, you see your season previews and it's you're going to finish this spot on the ladder and this player will have a good year and this player's under pressure. We've gone a different tact. We've gone something new. So new categories and, and different viewpoints. And yeah, we, we did want to bring something to the table that you might not have considered. So this is a view from 12 rows back and, and I'm looking forward to getting into it, Seb. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start alphabetically as we do to show there's no bias. The Western Bulldogs just happen to be last. Uh, let's start over in South Australia with Adelaide. Now, walk me through this, Tom, their ceiling and their floor. Yeah, so <laughs> all of these are a mix of, of the two viewpoints. I, I guess I've taken a bit of the reins in terms of these ranges. So obviously Adelaide's floor is the bottom of the ladder. I think you'll probably find them closer to 18th. Uh, I've got their ceiling as 14th, given that at best I think they can pinch a few at home that they're not expected to win, maybe get six, seven, eight plus wins uh, at best. So that that's their their optimum ceiling for the Crows. Yeah, so I think they'll win the Wooden Spoon. If not them, then North. And their ceiling for me is 17th. Yes, I think they're got a little tight little range on that one. Ordinary football team. Uh, they don't have the cattle there. Their leading goal kicker last year was Tex with a gentleman's 14 or 15 or something. Like it was a, it was a pathetic year. They talk about the back half of a year, the last six games. Well, they were playing for that because they were looking at a winless season, which is is poor by anyone's measure. Uh, so yeah, I don't think they're going to win many at all. Nah, look, that that's fair. I'm with you. I think guys, look, fourteenth. We're talking ceiling, so the absolute premium. But I, I think, yeah, yeah I might have I been can't see generous on that one. Seventeenth. Now to go. We're talking extreme views here. I think <laughs> extreme view for Adelaide for me would be Tex kicks fifty, and I actually originally had forty, and I could probably even go thirty. So <laughs> I think a huge year in front of the sticks for Tex would be an extreme view because uh, look, I think he's just going to chip in where he can. But he is, if he's carrying that forward line, then they are in a bit of trouble. He's still only 30 or 31. I think he might be 31. Look, that's yeah, not, that's he's not yeah, old. No, that, look, I, I you know, admit I was he, thinking he was in that uh, 33, 34 plus, bracket. Yeah. 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 And that's sort of the, the viewpoint you just sort of mentally have. But he's not that old. He just, I mean, he's never been like a real prime mover out there. And that tends to get worse right around 30. And, yeah, he's not he's not lightning quick, and it's just starting to show. He's not a huge 
I mean, he's big, but he's not huge for a forward in this day and age. Uh, but look, if he kicks 50, that is hats off to you, but that's that's extreme. I went uh, and I, I teased this. You can probably track this. This is coach number one. I can see <laughs> Matty Nicks getting sacked at season's end. That is your extreme. If they win two games for the year, tell me how you can really justify having him on again. Yeah, look, that that's probably fair. I know, uh, you know, some clubs do put up with that. Um, the Blues might be one of those. <laughs> both came to us. Adelaide aren't. I know they got rid of uh, Brendan Sanderson real quick uh, when they got sick of, uh, I think it was his first year out of the eight and he was already gone. So they do get a little twitchy there, the Crows. So that one might not be as extreme. But yeah, if he has a, a two-win season, uh, it, it, it could be, he could be in the gun. Yep. I like and it. There's one coach already in the block. That's it. There's more coming. Um and not an obvious one that I talk about all the time. Uh, which player is coming from the woodwork that we may have forgotten about? Yeah, so Adelaide fans might not have forgotten him, but I know the competition at large might have. Old uh, Darcy Fogarty, he was a, a high pick for the Crows and sort of came in. I'm pretty sure they gave him uh, Rusciuto's 32 on his back. He had wraps at that uh, calibre and... He was meant to be the next big thing. Well, he hasn't really been able to find a spot at either end of the ground, but he has all the attributes and, and can turn a game at his absolute best. So I think for the comp and the Crows fans, he, he's one to uh, remember old Dars. They need young something. Dars, really. <laughs> they need something out there, Adelaide, to start cheering for and watching. Uh, I think it'll be slim pickings. Let's move on up north to Brisbane. Uh, ceiling and floor. You can see them finishing first. Yeah, could see them going all the way, Brisbane. I think uh, they've got absolutely everything going in their favour. Quality mids, quality forwards, quality backmen. Harris Andrews jumps to mind down there. Um, yeah, they tick all the boxes for me to go and win the flag. So you've got to have their ceiling as the premiership. And where's their floor? Their floor, look, I mean... Every team that can go bad and they could miss the eight. I, I find it hard to see the line slipping out of the eight myself. I their 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 floor is sixth, so basically winning a final, uh, even if it is an elimination, I think would be their floor. I think you know, yes, we'll wait and see what happens with the Gabba as a home ground advantage. Whether teams have worked out how to play there after playing there all year last year, but still think up there they'll win plenty of games and even if they are sort of battling to get any continuity they'll still have enough wins on the board to at least come in the top six so i think six would be my uh floor for the lions so my floor for them would be about 10th and that leads me right into my prediction extreme prediction of they will miss the top eight that would be extreme now i didn't i did my preseason ladder sort of power rankings and i had them in the top four I'm slowly starting to reconsider it. And look, I think it's more than likely they will make the eight. But I can see a scenario where obviously Cam Rayner not playing this year with his ACL yeah, draft a, a few years ago. Uh, Grant Birchall looks old and slow. And Hodgie's not there anymore. I can just see a scenario where things start to go wrong for them and a young side don't quite know how to pull themselves out of it. Uh, and they can do... Look, sort of do a Richmond from 2016, drop right out, not bottom out, but just have that ear of, oh, what's what's going on? Let's review, let's review. And then next year, as in 2022, coming out and just taking everyone by storm. But can you see them winning the flag this year, though, with all that said? 
do you agree that their ceiling is the flag? Yeah, yeah. When things go right, Joey Danaher comes in, he plays all year, kicks 50, 60 goals. No doubt they can win the flag, but I, I, I'd say it's more likely they miss the eight and win the flag. Yeah, that's an interesting. Well, well, look, my extreme uh, view on them is Harris Andrews is the 2021 Norm Smith medal winner, which is, I guess, extreme in a number of ways, given that they have to make the game first. Usually the team that wins, so the Lions would have to win. And when was the last time you saw a key backman win the Norm Smith medal? So that, that's my extreme one for the Lions. Brian Obviously, Lake. Brian Lake, oh yeah. I know you know that one because you had money on Jack Gunston who was pretty stiff himself. But um, yeah, look, so that's 2013. So we're talking eight eight years ago. It doesn't happen often. Um, Brisbane obviously have to make it. So that that's my extreme one for the Lions. And remember me, who, who are we going to remember that we've forgotten about? Well, we did this uh, pre-show and I originally had uh, Nakaya Cockatoo as my remember me, given that uh, he sort of slipped off the radar at the Cats with injury um, and the Lions scooped him up cheap uh, in the trade period last year. But uh, Also I'm hurt himself wrong. again. Yeah. Throw that yeah. in. I, no, I was going to say, he uh, he's just gone and, and done another injury. So we might have to forget him for a while. So as a backup, I think the comp might have forgotten about, uh, well, they don't, forget the name, but they might have forgotten some of the on-field contribution of uh, Joe Danaher. He's definitely the uh, remember me. Uh, hopefully the Bombers fans won't be uh, too bitter if he absolutely explodes, but uh, that is the potential he has, and that's why they've got him there. So, I mean, yeah, he, he bobbed up late last year. I know he had a good game. I think when they, they the Bombers played the Hawks, he might have kicked a few that day and sort of gave us a taste, but this year he's had a preseason and, and he's ready to go, so he's definitely the uh, remember me uh, for the Lions. Beautiful, beautiful work, Tom. Let's head across town to Carlton. Where where do you see them? What, what ceiling have you got? Have you got them in the eight, Tom? That's the big question. That's what our that's what our one Carlton fan wants to know. We're gonna we're <laughs> no, gonna be in the eight. I have their ceiling as eight spot. I think that is the absolute ceiling for them. How that happens, I'm you know I'm I'm not sure. Um, given that you know, eighth is usually a team that just sneaks in there late. I don't think the Blues fans would care if that happens to them, but I definitely think, um, you know, with the, with the players they've got and the players they've added in particular, you know, they've steered away from adding more draftees that need to find their way. They've gone for Saad and, and Williams and some experience and, and known quantities to, to give them that little step up. Um, I, I think, yeah, at best, they should be gunning for a final spot. I mean, yeah, they've sort of settled for mediocrity for far too long, the Blues fans. And I think, yeah, you, you've got to be pushing for finals. And, yeah, they, their ceiling is the top eight. Um, and their floor on the reverse, I know um, you might uh, be a little harsher than me, but I think, you know, at their floor is, is 12th, maybe maybe 13th, but they're really, I do think the Blues have those bottom teams covered. It's a question of whether or not they can sort of win those games in this 8-12 to 12 bracket that they should to jump up to that top eight bracket. So that, that'll be the question for the Blues season, but I've got their range 8-12. to 12th. Your thoughts? Well, I think you're spot on there. I think if they get things going right, they can play finals. I think it's more likely they don't. They just miss out on a spot in the eight. Uh but yeah, I think I think eighth or twelfth is is there. That's a fair little range for them. 
Uh, now, I want you to give me the first extreme prediction because mine... <laughs> so our uh, views on this one are polar opposites, which is why we've gone the extreme. So you're not seeing this anywhere else. Uh, I've got them winning every game that they're involved in that goes under six points. So I know that is a fair factor for these little jumps up the ladder that you see the teams winning those games decided by uh, under a kick. So look, if they can win all of those, uh, I've got here in the notes earn a home final. I think that that is pretty extreme uh, given that I, I think their ceiling's eighth. But look, I think the Blues can finally start winning those close ones and, and really that's how they're going to get their uh, little jump up the ladder improvement and winning the close ones. Seb, yep. your uh, rebuttal. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a fair prediction um, in terms of winning those close games, getting over that hump. If they finish eighth, there's probably a better than 70% chance they get a home final at the MCG anyway. Yeah, well, that's, might play, that's true. You know, a, a Richmond finish fifth or something like that. Uh, I went extreme, extreme, and... I can see a scenario where things go wrong again and they finish bottom four. It's bad, harsh. Bad. Look, no, it's a, that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking an, a, a you know a far out view here. I think yeah, for them to finish top four, there would be uh, many ahead would be rolling if, if that was the case. Yeah, and look, as I'm reading out all of these extreme predictions, I'm like, it's like you, you know that that uh, you know when you're playing at like intensity or. I don't know what they're called these days. You know, the gaming ones where you get the tickets and you've got to roll the ball up. Yeah. In in the middle's 50. And then as you go further out, you've got different levels of bullseyes. Well, every single one I'm shooting for the hundreds in the far top right corners. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I'm going to get too many, but I'm, we're not here to sit on the fence and give you a, oh, yeah, Carlton, will, they'll play a final. Like that's how like, anyone, you know, that, that's sort of a relatively safe prediction. And, you know, the bloke from Triple M saying it and the bloke from SEN and three, they're all giving you a similar sort of prediction. So they're all either equally right or when they're all wrong, they can go, oh, nobody saw this coming. That's not what we're here for. So, yeah, bottom four, Carlton, come at me. Slide into those Instagram DMs. Tell us where we went wrong. Tell me what I got wrong and I don't know. But when you do that, tell me who's going to kick your goals. Yeah, absolutely. They're, I mean, you're coming into this season, there are massive question marks there, given that, I mean, they've got players that can kick goals, but they're not going to be out on the park. So they'll need to find somebody uh, up there in the forward line uh, at Carlton to just, just do that. I'm thinking a player that they've forgotten, I guess, given that they've gone, um, you know, down the recruitment of uh, Zach Williams. I know Sard's off halfback, so not quite mid, but he was a high draft pick and he came in with massive wraps. Paddy Dow. Now, Blues fans might be saying we want to forget him, but I think he has enough talent in him to show that he can win a spot in this side. Um, look, the jury is still out, but this is the year to prove himself. I think he'll have, you know, if he can string together some quality games and really solidify that spot and really show that he's on the right track, then that, you know, that the Blues will be pushing that top eight, I think, if he can really uh, jump in there and add some depth. But uh, I think he's just one that Blues fans have forgotten about. Yeah. Well, the time is now, Paddy. Yeah. The time is now. Everything's there. Clubs, you know, you've got some bigger bodies there. The time is now, Paddy. Let's flip over. Collingwood, Crosstown, or next suburb on Rivals. Uh, Where's their ceiling? Where's their floor? Help us out, Tom. 
Yeah, it's a tricky one to place the uh, pies. I think I've given them a fairly large range because on the one hand, they they are still absolutely full of top quality talent. They have one of the best ruckmen in the comp. They have a future Hall of Famer in Scott Pendlebury. Uh, they, you know, they still run deep in the midfield, even with the loss of Trelaw. Um, you know, solid down back, small forwards, a quality up forward. Um, so I've got their ceiling as sixth given that if they can get it all right and they can, you know, get back to some of that 2018, uh, 2019 form, they can really, you know, trouble some of the good sides. They'll get a lot of, you know, Melbourne or Victorian-based teams at the G sort of taking out any home ground advantage. It, a lot would have to go right, but we are talking their ceiling. So I think they can, you know, they their best is good enough to play in the top eight. We just have to see it consistently, which will be the trick. On the flip side, yeah, losing Trelaw, losing Stevenson. I know, you know, they're probably names that hurt more on paper, but, it, you know, the club was rocked. There have been a lot of changes, a lot of off-field hustle and bustle and, and a lot of off-field issues, whether that infiltrates the club. I think, you know, 12th might be their floor. Um, you know, that I don't think by any stretch we're going to see them drop into the, to- the bottom four, but you know, they might get caught in that little pack that, uh, you know, is at the middle of the ladder. And and when you're in that little form, you know, a win here, a loss there, you know, could sort of be the difference between 10th or, or 12th. So I think 6th to 12th for me, uh, for the Pies. Yeah, there's a fair range in there, but I think, I think you're about right. I see it going more negatively than positively for them. Uh, I think Trelaw is a big loss, bigger than we realise. Side bottom's not going to be right initially early. Uh, there is a defender back who I think you're going to mention, uh, who is a big boost for them. But uh, they won, had a great win last year in the finals, but I can't see too many positives I just see them on the downward trend, so I'm expecting the lower end of that. Uh, but, look, stranger things have happened. So I think you need to give them a wide range because there is still some quality talent on that list. Uh, you've got you've gone left field here, Tom. Hit me with this prediction. Yeah, so, yeah, we're back into the field of the extreme. He is a, well, he's a Collingwood person through and through. I know he stepped away, Eddie Maguire. My extreme th- view is Eddie returns. I don't think he can stay away. Loves the club, loves leading it, loves calling the shots. I think, you know, in some extreme part of 2021, we might see Eddie Maguire back calling shots at Collingwood. I, I know he retired and-, and there were issues there, but look, stranger things have happened. And yeah, I just think he, he, at the best of times, you know, even if he's been Eddie everywhere, has still just given us a break and then come roaring back. So I just can't see him staying away. I know he'll be involved in the media. You know, if these struggles we're mentioning for the Pies do crop up, you know, he's got that sort of saviourness about him. So, uh, look, extreme view, but I do think Eddie returns is a fair headline that you might catch at this at yeah. some point this year. I love it. I've gone the opposite. Uh, yeah, I, I like this. And can Buckley, you please read it out as written in our notes? Yeah, so my prediction, Buckley will be looking for work at season's end. Uh, as oh, in he will three. be sacked. That's coach number two being sacked. Oh, that's... Uh, and it's more the absolute opposite of what you just said. Eddie was the link who brought Buckley back in and obviously negotiated the 
the transition between Malthouse to Buckley. Eddie's gone. A lot of support Buckley had is gone. And if they have a bad year, which I think they will, they're just going to move Buckley on and say thanks. But you've had, I think this will be his 10th year, his ninth or 10th year. You did get us to a grand final, but uh, we haven't been close to those heights since. And and that's it. Well, thank you for your service, Nathan. But uh, here, ask one of the cheer squad members where Centrelink is. <laughs> Look, I actually don't like the one. I mean, we are, yeah, going extreme, but I don't think this one would be too far fetched given, you know, there might be a new sort of board, new, well, not maybe not new board, but new president, sort of new faces around the club looking to make a statement. And if, yeah, if things go pear shaped, I, I could see that. He, he uh, has copped some heat over the summer, Buckley, so he's not not without uh, a target there. So I, I don't mind that one, Seb. Absolutely. Now, uh, who, who's returning? Who, who's coming back that everyone seems yeah, to have forgotten so, about? I don't hear much talk about him, to be honest. No, no. I, I dare I say under well underrated. He has been pushing all, all Australian if he hasn't already got there. But big Jeremy Howe, high-flying Jeremy Howe. He is one that Pies fans may have forgotten. Uh, well, the comp, the wider comp might have forgotten, I think. Uh, you know, at his absolute best, one of the... Well, he, he's a highlight reel, but he actually is very crucial to what they do coming out of the back line, Jeremy Howe. So, you know, he, he did his injury against the Giants last year and, and you know, they, they did really miss him. I know they covered him, but he's just one of those players where he sort of takes two roles from two different players to sort of cover. So uh, he'll be back and intercepting and, and he'll be a real welcome sight for Pies fans. My word, he will be. Uh Shifting up north to Tullamarine, Essendon. I think they're a little bit of an enigma. I've heard they're going to be top four, top eight from some. Uh, <laughs> give us a ceiling and floor. Yeah, well, we, I uh, another club I've gone, some might say played safe, but I've gone another large range. Look, I have the Bombers ceiling as ninth. Don't think... You know, we're we're talking, yeah, absolute premium. I mean, to see them in the eight would be an absolute shock. I I cannot see it. You know, they they have it in them to win plenty of games. I think they could, you know, they might they might even crack the double figures at best and and sort of win ten. But given eight teams in an uh, eighteen team comp, you've got to be slightly better than average. So I think I can't see them winning twelve. 13 to get in. I think ninth would be a fantastic season for them, given that, um, you know, you've got big truck in there coming through. So, you know, the teams can take a, a, you know, that adjustment period with a new coach. I know he was a voice in the rooms, but now, you know, with the, the reins to himself, um, you know, it's a different story, but yeah, I think their ceiling would be ninth and yeah, they could be anything, the Bombers, and they could be nothing. Their floor for me uh, is 16th. So um, no uh, disrespect to your Ruse or Crows fans out there got you 17, 18th. But, yeah, I think the floor for them, bottom bottom four for the Bombers, um, still a lot of things to work out, still a lot of unknowns, uh, what their midfield can do, who's going to kick their goals, uh, you know, the ageing sort of hooker and Hurley, how they're going to perform week in, week out. I think their floor for me would be 16th. So ninth, 16th to ninth for me. Yep, I'd uh, I'd be leaning, if it was a sliding scale, on the lower end of that. But uh, I look, there's too many unknowns at the Bombers to believe they'll be consistent enough to be in the top eight at all. So... 
Um, I would would have been a lot harsher, but it's probably because I don't really like them. Uh, <laughs> well, now, sp- speaking of harsh, your uh, your extreme viewpoint for the for the Dons. Yeah, so I wasn't sure of the number to put on, but I'm going to say they only win three games for the year. <laughs> Jesus. You, you talk about Matty Nix at, at two and twenty. If they go three and nineteen, is is uh, the big yeah is big truck in in trouble there? Well, it's his first year at the helm, so I think they'd be yeah, mad to do it. And I think I can see this happening where uh, look, they're not they don't have goal kickers. They've got Stringer, who can do anything and be anything and also be nothing in the same quarter. So outside of that, you've got two-meter Peter, who is really just going to be a stopgap for a couple of years, playing that sort of McKernan role, although he's a bit taller, given that he is two meters. <laughs> Walked into that. Uh, who else has gone now for? They've been swinging Hooker up there, and, and he's not, he's yeah, not a James forward. Stewart, James Stewart, I think is he's it, also in that stopgap. Stewart out for six mold. to eight? Yeah, well, there you go. So they, they, was it Francis? One of them. One of them's out. Tippenwoody's um, a small. I don't think you want to be relying on a small kicking. No, nah, Tippenwoody looks winning great kicking. when they're up and firing, but when they have a down year, like I'm predicting, not so good. Um, so yeah, look, if this was Truck's second year, I'd be sacking probably a third coach. But <laughs> we'll just sit the two. Where, where? Come on, give us something, Tom. Let's get extreme. Yeah, well, look at now. I'm feeling it's not as extreme, given we did just mention him. But look, if if two meter Peter can kick thirty plus, I'm I'm thinking that's an extreme outcome because, yeah, like you say, yeah, he's still finding his way in the competition. They're going to rely on him. I mean, yes, he'll get the delivery. So if he could produce the thirty goal season, that means he is producing it oh. at an AFL standard, given that he'll be the target. But I just think it's a yeah, it's an out there view for him to to kick that. That's sort of you know. One to one point five two goals a game. Yeah, That's so it is, it is thirty plus goals, not thirty plus scoring shots total. Yeah, no goals. Sorry, yeah, so goals. Yeah. So you no, know, no, I just I, yeah, that's extreme. If he's done 30, that, that's recruited a year, I reckon. Yeah, he would be pushing that. I guess the the coal medal these days thirty. I'll, I'll pull it up, but the the um, thirty goals that get you up in the top twenty. About dare I say, without looking at the stats for the. For the Coleman, I think. Um, oh, not this year, mate. Last year's a different story. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, we're talking a full season, I guess, of games. But um, yeah, look, I, th- I think that'd be fairly extreme. New club and and a f- key forward. You know, there's some growing pain, so for him to kick thirty plus would be an extreme result. Yep. Uh, let's and, head um, over. Oh, well, just sorry. quickly, the yes. player you might have forgotten. We might have forgotten him here. I clearly um, had. Look, he, he has played games and he has featured, but I don't think he's reached the great heights that they've expected. Devin Smith, I think he's a bit of a forgotten one for the Bombers fans. Can play forward, which they'll need. Can play mid, which they'll need. He just needs to have a game where he just plays, you know, 20, 20 games at least, I think. Uh, he is a forgotten man down there. Can play, has performed for them, has played some good footy, but they really need him to step up and show it consistently for a full season. Yeah, I, I think he, he won the best and fairest in his first year, I think. Yeah, that's uh, right. So, he, so he, he's got the ability. He's just got to get himself out there and put it together and and knuckle down and, and just go and hunt the ball. He was a tackling machine that year. If he goes and hunts the ball and hunts the opposition, he'll he'll just work himself into games. So I, I think we all want to see a healthy Dev Smith doing that. Absolutely. 
Now to head out west, where uh, I know you're comfortable and you're very comfortable with the team in purple over there. Uh, Talk about Fremantle, my boys. The Dockers. Rio, so, Evo. Yeah, look, there's there's some that are bullish and, and you're leading that charge. I think, yeah, Longmuir, he, he, he showed last year, you know, a few kinks early in the year, but really, really got the team playing his style of footy in that second half. You know, they really surprised a few teams there. They recruited well with uh, Sarong, obviously, um, the rising star. Another bloke down there, Hayden Young, I think, who will also turn out to be a bit of a jet. Matty Taberner stepped up. They've got Adam Chera. Adam Chera, he, he is an absolute jet. Brayshaw, obviously, we already know he's a jet. Um, you know, yes, they lost Hogan, but Matty Taberner stepped up in that void and actually he, he, kicked, he was kicking bags. So, and of course, Luke Ryan down back, who is all Australian quality and who can forget Fife in that midfield. Could he push for a third Brownlow? That would put him in some rare air. And I'm pretty sure David Mundy, is, has he gone around for another he's, year as well? He's still going around. He's still going, going around, to so. be pushing the Pavs games record holders. Yeah, there you go. So look, a lot a lot to like about Frio. I've got their ceiling as eighth. I think they can really push eighth, maybe even up to maybe seventh. Not quite getting a home final, but I think they can um, push up into that uh, elimination final sort of territory uh, at best. Um, it's just how they manage, I guess, the home and away. Obviously, the teams out west in particular with that home ground advantage um, you know, Freo can win, obviously, their lion's share, but really develop a strong uh, travel capacity to win games uh, interstate. I think that'll set them in, in good stead. Now, their floor for me was interesting because I, um, I'm, you know, still just assessing Longmuir as a coach. So it could fall off. The wheels could fall off, uh, you know, with a young side and, and, you know, just how they respond in that second year. There's, you know, that buzz about the first year and, and here we go. And now it's, oh, we've got to go around again, how that affects them. I did have their floor as 14th, which may be a little harsh, but I still, that 14th really does get you, uh, you know, you're not a bottom four team, so they've got them covered. But yeah, how they handle those games, like I said before, in that uh, range where you're playing teams, you know, in and amongst that sort of seventh to 12th bracket, winning those ones, how they go there. So eight to 14th for me, I think is fair for Freo. Yeah. There's still an unknown quantity with the home games and what the premier over there is doing with the border restrictions and stuff like that. So if they start having to travel more frequently and stuff like that, you could just about put a line through them. Uh, Cause I, don't, I think you have to be a real, real quality side to be doing that and, and still playing finals, but Assuming a regular year, which I think they'll get most of the year away like that, um, I think seventh or eighth. Um, I think I had them in that region in my prediction. So I'm real bullish on them. I love what they've done. I love Justin Longmuir. Um, you got five in the middle. Uh, as you, if you've listened to our previous episode, <laughs> you probably heard I, I went a little bit Freo-centric with my awards. I don't apologize for that. Uh, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen because it was it was an absolute banger last week. Uh, extreme prediction, and you sort of touched on this, but Fife's going to win the, his third Brownlow. He's going to go into that rarefied air. Yeah, so we've we've done some extreme ones here. This one's not as extreme as you would think. I I could picture this happening a third Brownlow. I think you know he, he is primed Fife. He, he's just a consistent performer and a true professional on and off field. So, and he's done a full preseason, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yep. So yep. that's, yep. that's the thing. 
So I just want to pat myself on the back because I think that's the first positive extreme prediction I've given. Everything else has been <laughs> doom and gloom, and it, I think it continues more doom and gloom. Yeah, well, I was going to say I might take the doom and gloom for a spin. I know I said 14th and that they were better than the bottom four sides, but uh, look, yeah, do we see second-year blues for Longmuir? Do the Dockers drop into that bottom four? I think that would be a, a bit of a disastrous result after what we've seen. But, yeah, a lot of youth in that team and, yeah, managing their list so that it's not just youngsters and old blokes really working on that middle bracket, uh, I think, will be the challenge. Uh, and, yeah, look, if all things go wrong and the youngsters lose their way a little bit with a rookie coach in Longmuir, bottom four might not be too extreme. Yeah, I don't see it happening because I'm bullish on them, but yeah. uh, I like the prediction. I like the conviction, the second-year blues. I like your conviction there, Tom. Now, who who's a forgotten face over there? Yeah, so... Aside from most of the comp, because we don't really care about... Yeah, the they are a bit uh, forgotten. Now, a bloke by the name of Alex Pierce was really, really starting to put together some good footy and put together a nice bit of career. He's, it's been derailed by injuries, ankle injuries, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he missed a fair chunk of footy uh, last year. Uh, he, he was one that they were really building with. He, he's not quite that full key position, but he's, he's really that athletic sort of third, second to third defender size. And he really is a smart footballer and a, and a smart operator down back. So he's been a bit forgotten. I'm hoping he gets out and can put together a great year for the Dockers. Um, Alex Pierce is our remember me for the Dockers. Love it. Love it, Tom. Now I'm, I'm so interested in your floor and ceiling here because yeah. we got so some down, pushback. Down the highway. We've got some pushback here. Yes, down the highway, down in Geelong. Uh, I predicted they'll finish first. You predicted they would finish seventh. And you've gone a very wide range here to sort of keep yourself safe. But <laughs> just hit me with it. Yeah, look, some might, well, there might be more than a few agreeing with you. But uh, yeah, and, and look, if you think these ranges are too large uh, listeners get on us at uh, 12 rows back at gmail.com or instagram or facebook inbox happy to answer any questions or thoughts uh my range for the cats obviously they, they've got full premiership credentials um last year you know making it all the way and they looked unstoppable halfway through the second in that grand final um got all all the boxes ticked already and then you've added cameron and higgins and smith and just absolutely the potential to blitz the comp, uh, you know, obviously they've got the Cattery down there, Cadinia Park, uh, GMHBA, um, the ability there just to be able to win games that they should and bank them is huge. Um, so, yeah, look, their, their ceiling is definitely the flag. The floor you were interested in now, I know you had them high. I did have slight concerns in previous episodes about their ability to maintain their list given their age uh, and their lack of youngsters coming through. Um, yeah, is the wear and tear on a few of these old blokes? Is there going to be issues with continuity with all these new players coming in, bringing their own different styles um, in, in Jeremy Cameron in particular? Uh, their floor is eighth. So I don't think there's any way that they miss finals, um, particularly yeah, given the home ground advantage, if they get to use that properly. Um, yeah, uh, first to eighth for me. I mean, that might even be a stretch. I know uh, with everything I've said that they, you know, out of the top four would be a surprise. But yeah, still some slight concerns for mine. I might be alone in that, but still some slight concerns there. I've got them coming first to eighth. Yeah, I will be surprised if they finish outside of the top two. 
but oh, there you go. We're here because we don't always agree, and, and you get two sides of the coin. Uh, extreme prediction, Tom. Other than you think they'll finish seventh, what have you got? <laughs> yeah, it might be extreme as is. Uh, look, originally I had um, I had a coach in mind. I thought, you know, if they do have that seventh year, does Chris Scott go and does Joel Selwood retire given his age? I've scrapped that and I've gone something positive. And this is super extreme, might be my most extreme, but I've got big Sava Radagalia to win the Cats goal kicking as my extreme view. Uh, rethinking that one, given uh, our last episode, what we covered with uh, Jeremy Cameron, I think he would be a Monty. But look, we're delving into the extreme and I'm just bull- I, I'm bullish about Asava. I think he's really got the attributes and the athleticism really take this comp by storm. I think he's got what the Cats need in that, they, if he can develop his uh, ruck game, uh, he can be that ruck forward that they're crying out for. Um, yes, very extreme to see him leading their goal kicking, but uh, as we've seen with the Cats, they don't mind sharing them around, so he might be the beneficiary. I'm going far out there and, and going to Sava to lead their goal kicking. Love it. I love it, Tom. Uh, I'm rethinking mine as I speak. Now, I've said Geelong will play a home final in Geelong, and that is extreme because the AFL does not like giving Geelong home finals in their home ground. I'm obviously I'm going to stick with it, but I'm rethinking it because if COVID is still a thing and we're at, as we broke on the last episode, we're still at 75% crowds in Victoria, uh, they'll be playing the, that at the MCG for sure to get more seats through the gate. But I just think if you're serious about growing the game and you want to give back to the fans, well, play a final down there in Geelong. They certainly deserve it. Uh, <laughs> and I think they'll be finishing first or second and and give them give them that game down there. Uh, now, you'll this is a good remember me player pick, Tom, because I couldn't really tell you much about him. Yeah, so for my remember me for the Cats, I've gone a, a bloke by the name of Charlie Constable. He is a highly touted mid that they drafted a couple of years back. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely a remember me. And I'm telling the Cats directly down the mic to remember him because he had interest last trade period and he decided to stay or the Cats didn't want him to go. Um, but you do have young, good quality talent there, Geelong. Please feel free to use it at any stage. I know they're all in. The chips are all out there. They're going the old blokes and they're, they're, they're going for the premiership this year. No problems with that. Um, just thinking if, if you've got a youngster that you want to bring through as your next wave, Charlie's the one. I mean, he's not going to get any sort of quality mid-tagging him because they're all going to go to the Dangerfield, Selwood, Duncan, all the, you know, maybe even Higgins gets a run in there too with a bit of a tagger. So he can have free reign. It's ideal. Give him a go, Cats. He can play uh, and he could have a great season if given that opportunity. I love it, Tom. I, uh, yep, you've sold me. He's, he's there. Get him in Geelong. They need some youngsters coming through that midfield. So he, he should be leading the charge, I reckon. Now, let's burn through a couple of expansion sides here because, let's face it, they don't have many supporters. Uh, Gold Coast, where, where, are they, where are they positioned? Yeah, I've gone a, a bit of a smaller range for them. I think at best 10th, um, you know, the, the team's sort of finishing 10th can sort of win eight or nine games, which I can see out of the Suns at best. Uh, I think they're better than the, top, uh, the bottom four, so 14th. So 10th to 14th. Um, I think would be ideal, which would almost be a PB for the for the Suns. I think their highest finish is 13th. So I think they should be aiming to top that. So you, your 10th to 14th is probably a fair range for them. 
Is there a scenario you can see where they play a final? Well, are you delving into the extreme there? I think a lot would have to go right. And, uh, well, speaking of the extremes, I mean, my extreme for them was Suns go on a late-season winning streak. I think we've seen from them they can burst out of the blocks, but it's the depths of winter with the young list where they really struggle. So, I mean, if they can, yeah, go on a winning streak at that point of the year, string together some wins, I mean, stranger things have happened. But, yeah, we really haven't seen the Suns perform it at any sort of level, any time after May, really. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's, we, I mean, we've got to see that first. So that's my extreme. I'm, I'm backing them to go on a late season winning streak. And yeah, if that happens, who knows, but they'd have to do that. Yeah. No, we, we definitely haven't seen that. We haven't seen the best of the Suns post June. Uh, I had Stuart Jew winning coach of the year, <laughs> which it's extreme, but if you think about everything the club's gone through and where the list is at, and, and they've got Matty Rao coming back in, Noah Anderson with another year on his belt, Isaac Rankin with another year under his belt, you've got Sam Collins. Uh, there's a lot of talent across the list, and if they can put a few things together, and if they do get a little bit of a winning streak late in the year going, uh, I was more hypothesising in my head a scenario where they play a final which would then, by extension, if they play a final, Stuart Jew wins Coach of the Year, hands down. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, th- I admit, I think it's unlikely they can get to that point, but uh, if they do, give him Coach of the Year, give him the keys, back up the Brinks truck, pay the man. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They have been a basket case of a club ever since they were conceptualised. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't have too much more to say on the Suns. Uh, there you go. There, remember me, is uh, a bloke from Adelaide called Rory Atkins. I think uh, probably most known for coming off halfback and having that bleach blonde look. Uh, Sons have signed him to a four-year deal. Let's uh, let's see what he can produce because that's, uh, that's, that's I guess, you'd dub it a long-term contract in this day and age. So he, he's one to remember for, for your casual fan and for Suns fans. Uh, moving on to the uh, next team, the GWS. Um Another team difficult to get an assessment on just because, you know, they always seem to be young and up and coming and they always seem to have injury issues. So I've got their ceiling as seventh. I think that might even be unders. I think at their very best, maybe they could climb a little bit higher than that, but they would need a lot to go right and they would need a lot of players to play consistent football all season. You know, you can't have too many sort of playing 10, 12, 13. You need blokes, you know, 18, 20 20 plus playing full season. So they haven't had that really in their whole existence and they've really relied on kids to come through. And, you know, as we've seen, they've just uh, fattened themselves up for market and they've just gone picks and they're on this cycle. So uh, at worst, I, I think they're, they're better than bottom four, obviously, and they're better even than that little pack that sort of forms uh, just above the top four. So I think seventh to 12th is probably a fair range for them. Um, yeah. Given, what they've got on their list, a lot of talent, but yeah, just haven't been able to see it sort of put together for a full season set. Yep. I think that's a fair analysis of where they're at. Uh, extreme prediction. Yeah. So <laughs> given I've said that my extreme prediction is they can push the top four and they're going to be led by a potential Brownlow fancy coming back this year called Tim Taranto. He is a big name coming back for them. Fantastic player, BNF winner in their grand final year. I think an extreme view would see him leading the charge for the Brownlow and leading them towards a top four finish. Yep, that's extreme. 
that's the uh, the power of the positivity. Uh, I can hear a little chuckle on the other end, which obviously means it's time for the negator to come out. Uh, now, this is obviously a, a reference to Hachi on Footy Classified, but uh, the wheels will fall off the Ferrari and it's rebuild time. Cornelio and Kelly to leave at season's end and 12 rows back exclusive. Cornelio will sign with the Blues and Josh Jeez. Kelly will come to North. Jeez, that is... <laughs> That is a dream scenario for you, Kelly LaRue's. Um, that's massive. You talk about sort of in two years, Cameron, Coniglio and Kelly all gone. That's, that's almost the sort of culture they built for that club since its inception. So they would, they will struggle if that was to happen. That is yep. extreme. But I do like the Ferrari reference because, uh, yeah, that, that one was running around and they were meant to win flags galore and it hasn't happened. So maybe there's some sort of pressure building and some sort of explosive action happening if if they don't get to where they've needed to, given all the resources that have gone in and, and Leon Cameron, his temperament at the club. So, look, not not too fanciful, that one, I reckon, Seb. And just to be clear, Cameron will be sacked in this scenario. <laughs> so you've claimed another one? Yep. Just chalk it down if, you, if you're if you doing uh, Seb coach bingo. Just chalk That's that one down. Three Leon out Cameron. of nine. Three out of nine, I've sacked. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. We uh, we head well. I was going to say Glen Ferry, but now out uh, Waverley Way to the Hawks. So interesting one, the Hawks. You, look, you can never really get too harsh on them with Clarko at the helm, but they are in a full rebuild stage. Um, you know, Gunston, Bruce, Mitchell, a few of the senior blokes there. Um, you know, obviously still capable of very good footy, but then uh, you know, as we sort of saw in their pracky games, a few unheralded blokes kicking goals and a forward line that's still really just finding its feet after some huge names have left. Um, I've got them, look, Clarko magic all over it. I think maybe they can come 10th as their ceiling. Um, you know, if a lot of things go right, I mean, with Clarko, you know, and his acumen, and I am putting a lot on him, obviously, yeah, good players in, in the mix. Burgoyne uh, is one that jumps straight out to mind going around again. Um, you know, they are capable of winning those games that are, you know, close and under a couple of goals. Uh, I think 10th is a fair ceiling for them. At worst, yeah, they'll be knocking uh, on that bottom two. Uh, 16th, I think, you know, yeah, a lot of raw talent and a lot of raw youngsters, but yeah, they really haven't been to a draft for a fair while. And I think these are the years we're seeing that come through. So um, one there for the Hawks fans to consider 10th to 16th. Yep. I I think you're a little bit generous. uh, And that is, that just steers me right into my prediction of they will win the wooden spoon. <laughs> that is the, the that is the viewpoints we have come for this episode for wooden spoon. You reckon? Yep, yep. So let's break it down. Let's break it down. Frio round one at the MCG line ball. We could go either way, so we'll give them half a win. <laughs> Sorry, we're talking Hawthorne. That was Melbourne. I'm jumping ahead. Ah, oh, the jumping far ahead. The... Won't won't beat Essendon in round one. Then you've got, they play Richmond, so they're 0-2. They're Geelong, 0-3. Freo over there, 0-4. Melbourne here, maybe that's a chance for their first win. We'll say 1-4. and four. Uh, Where are we going next? Adelaide and Tassie, they're 2-4. and four. Clarko's got them humming. Play the Saints, no chance. 2-5. and five. Play West Coast, 2-6. and six. Play North in Tassie. Both teams will be gunning for a rare win. 
let's be non-biased and we'll go three and six. Uh, I can't see where their next win's coming from. Carlton, Gold Coast up there, no. I've got a buy. Sydney up there, no. Bombers again, no. GWS, no. Port, no. Rio, yeah, no. <laughs> Melbourne, no. Brisbane, no. Well, they get Adelaide twice. Geez, I got a soft draw. But point being, wooden spoon. There it is, Tom. Yeah, that that is an extreme one. I mean, yeah, you you, you look at teams even when you were at one four, we could have stopped because that's sort of you know that's your top eight gone, and then the losses just keep coming. It seems from there. So your you wooden spoon sides are sort of only these days. You know, in a full season, only winning. I mean four is is not out of the realms of a wooden spooner so there weren't a whole lot of yeses there so look that that's not too uh far-fetched i think i've been a, a little bit more positive and probably a lot more positive which is surprising giving it's hawthorne but look I, i'm thinking at best you get great years out of yeah you know burgoyne keeps going gunston's back kicking goals bruce's kicking goals you've got jaeger mitchell warpool all going through the middle winning footy um you know it could, you know, CJ down there, down back has a as a breakout year. I've got them as my extreme view, having a win in round twenty three and leapfrogging their way into the eight. Given what you've just read out, that is a completely extreme view that I think might be a step too far. But um, yeah, look, stranger things have happened, and the Clarko factor. I've gone on about it, but it is is in play here. But my extreme view would be for a round twenty three win, getting them in the eight. But I tend to lean more towards more towards yours, Seb. Do you know who they play in round 23? Good question. Uh, a question without notice. Uh, As not, the fixture stands voice. today, Richmond. Oh, jeez. So, so that, could that be might a be the most extreme prediction yet if they beat Richmond in round 23 to make the eight. There could be a good chance, though, Richmond might just be resting some players depending on where their year's at. Yeah, uh, true. You just don't know. Stranger things have happened. Moving on to a team that we have a lot of fans that listen to this show that, and support the Melbourne Demons. Now, they're, they're such an interesting one because on paper, they should and for some reason aren't producing quality football week in, week out. It is wildly inconsistent. I really struggled for a range for them. Um, I've got their absolute best is they can earn a home final by finishing sixth. I think that's realistic. I don't think I can't see a scenario where they have the absolute consistency to produce uh, at a top four level. Um, so you, you've, you've got to rule that out, but they are good enough to string at wins together and a heap of wins together. Um, so I think they, they're ceiling six would be a fair result. That's sort of second week of the finals. Um, but the other side of it, it could all go pear shaped and it might all go pear shaped. Uh, I'm thinking, yeah, look, they not bottom four pear shaped because that, I mean, the club might fold if that if they're bottom four. They've done that too much to their fans. <laughs> if that happens, they can't do that. I think they are better than the the bottom four. In fact, I think they're better than the bottom six. My floor for them would be twelfth. Uh, so you got six to twelfth for the D's. Fair range there. Um, really in that middle chunk. It's just that consistent football and beating teams you should beat. I think they've struggled with that in the past. They can get themselves up and win a big game here or there, but when it's free or Sydney late in the year, as we saw last year, um, you know, those teams in that sort of, you know, middle tier of the bottom eight, you've just got to win those. And uh, yeah, we haven't seen it proven. So six to 12 for me. Yeah. They're not playing a final. Uh, 
don't think it's any, been any secret what I uh, believe about their coaching staff. Do you know? Do you know Melbourne have come in with this attitude this year, and they've, I think they've put a sign up that says "Leave your egos at the door" at the footy club. Not really? Now, how does a team that's won one final or two finals in however long have an ego about them? They just got to a prelim. They didn't get to a grand final. They didn't win a grand final. They didn't play in one. They didn't play well in a prelim. And they apparently they have to put their egos at the door. Well, yeah, that, that's that's worrying. Given that if they've had to write that, that means that ego is an issue. Yep. Because they've put it in writing. Yep. So club stuffed. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, this is it's my belief, my predictions. I've, I've been pretty vocal. Simon Goodwin will be sacked. And the extreme part of this prediction is, yes, Simon Goodwin will, will be making up the unemployment numbers. But I'm saying it'll happen in June. They'll act swiftly and he will be gone in June. Now, they play Frio round one which I think can go either way. They've got the Saints can't win. The Giants up there can't win. The Cats can't win. The Hawks, maybe they can win. The Tigers can't win. North down in Tassie, tough. The Swans in Melbourne should win. That could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. They'll lose to Carlton in round nine. That could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Here's the straw, Tom. Here's the straw. Round 10, which is the week of... Saturday the 22nd of May. Obviously, the times of these games haven't been announced. They play Adelaide and Adelaide. They get rolled there. Bye-bye, Simon. (laughs) Look, that's fair. I was going to say, when you're talking June, that's that's sort of round 12. So that's uh, you're saying extreme view. He doesn't even see the second half of the year. That that and I'm with you on that Adelaide game. That has all the the hallmarks of a you've got to go. Uh, you know, I don't think the crows will be flying at that stage. Uh, just a must win. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, we'll, we'll refer to this in round 10 when that game is scheduled and, and keep an eye on it. Cause that's the, that's the kind of stuff you produce when you've got these extreme views. I love it, Seb. Yeah. Well, I think only one of our extreme predictions will be close to fruition at that point. Uh, what have you got? Yeah. See, flip the coin and I've got the other side. I've got them winning a final as an extreme view there. You know, maybe they finish eighth, maybe they finish seventh, but do they get a Victorian team on their home deck, which coincidentally enough is their own home deck and they can sneak a, a Saturday Arvo win on the G. I think in an, in an extreme situation, that would not surprise me. I think, uh, you know, as I said off the top, they've got all the, the talent and they've got the team on paper to do it. It's just the ability to just do it week in, week out. So they're a momentum club and when they're up, they're really up and flying as we saw in 2018. They really rode that wave through a couple of finals wins. So look, my extreme view is that maybe we see a dash of that this year. Simon steadies the ship, gets him into the eight and sneaks a finals win. I'd still sack him. Uh, <laughs> now, just to, I just want to point this out in case you weren't listening, Shema. The extreme view was that the D's win a final. It's extreme to think the D's might win a final. Now, Directly down the barrel of the mic. Not taking a shot at Tom here. I'm saying he's right. It is extreme if the D's win a final. Just, just want to make that clear. Simple just Simon. Now, up, coach. Uh, another one for the D's, just to uh, go back to the remember me's, is Neville Jetta. Now, he, he was up and flying a couple of years ago off halfback. Jet. He was really playing some good... Good quality footy, 
but they've rejigged in the last couple of years and he's really lost his footing and he's really lost his spot. I think last year he only played six games and didn't play a whole lot in the year before that, if I'm not mistaken. So he's one for the D's that he, he has shown he can play good footy and he is a leader actually down at that club uh, and in and societally as well. I think he's been up for a few Jim Steins awards as well, as well sorry. Um, he, he's one that could add a little bit of class and geez, they could do with some polished footwork. He can provide it. Neville Jetta, one to remember for D's fans. Now we move on now to your boy, Seb. This is a big one. Uh, been looking forward to this. Uh, been looking forward to it. I have a really tight range for your club. Um, obviously new coach and a bit of a fresh outlook uh, through there, given the off season changes. Uh, you've obviously said goodbye to a few club stalwarts and, goal-kicking prowess in Ben Brown and seeing Sean Higgins walk out the door as well. Um, yeah, obviously, Noble's come through. He brings a lot of football smarts and a lot of industry smarts. Not um, known for his coaching, more just for his leadership or man management. Interesting to see how that's going to go. I think uh, the ceiling for the ruse uh, would be to climb out of that, that bottom two, uh, 16th, I think. Uh, you might be grimacing as I'm saying this, Seb, but I, I just, for the ruse, obviously their floor is, is the spoon. Um, avoided it last year, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's just how you manage, you know, the change of coach with the young side. Uh, you know, a lot of pressure now on Jack Zebel, a lot of pressure on Ben 10, uh, how, you know, how they cope with the increased attention they're going to get as the youngsters come through and aren't as looked at by opposition clubs. Um, yeah, looking at the fixture, hard to sort of see more than five wins. So I've got 16th to 18th as your range there, Seb. Uh, are you happy with that? No, it's uh, it's awful. It's accurate. I'm just not happy with it. Uh, over or under four and a half wins? Oh, looking at, I, I, look, five wins I could see you snagging. So I might have a double at the over, but that's probably me being very optimistic. Yep. Yep, it's around that for us this year. Uh, look, it's a year of development, building up something. Uh, we've got players in the, the right age bracket to be starting to do that. Uh, so, look, my extreme prediction, and I think this is a subdued extreme prediction, and that if it happens, you will still be surprised. But I'm not predicting we're going to make the eight, and I'm not predicting Luke Davies Uniac is going to win the Brownlow, even though he's paying 200 to one. That is value. Waiting for that sound effect. Uh, but I'm going to say North will beat one top four team at some stage this year. We'll we'll get them, get them in the right spot. The youngsters will be up and firing. It might be a game we have down in Tassie. Uh, and we'll just come out and fire and we'll win that. And my word, you'll hear about it. We might lose the next <laughs> 10 games and then be clearly bottom of the ladder. But I'll just be like, yeah, but we, geez, we knocked off, uh, we knocked off Brisbane down in Tassie. That was a good win. We are building. Uh, you look, I've seen it, Seb. I've been down there with the Saints and you do take those surprise ones. I don't think that's too extreme. A little bit of shin bonus spirit, maybe maybe late in July, August and just catch a team on the fly that's just not ready and not taking you seriously and just go bang. Uh, my extreme prediction and extreme, given that 
I think Matty Rao might just waltz it into the rising star. But you, you drafted a bloke at pick 13 called Tom Powell, who's just shown all the right signs in uh, in the preseason. He's come up in multiple podcasts of uh, ours previously. Go listen to those if you haven't. Uh, you think he's the goods. I'm jumping on the wagon. I've got Tom Powell to uh, place in the rising star. I think he'll get plenty of time off halfback and uh, he could be one to just, yeah, just grab uh, grab a top two or three spot in that rising star behind Matty Rao. Love it, Tom. He is, and Tom Powell, this is, he's in for a big year. Uh, looking forward to that now. But obviously, there's probably a few names that uh, fans need to get uh, used to hearing out of North Melbourne. But one I've jumped on that I liked seeing was... Um, bloke who used to play for Richmond by the name of Connor Menadju. Now, he, he was getting games in their side, you know, as they've been flying in the last three years. He is a speed machine and, dare I say, he's a quality ball user, which your club's crying out for. I think he's been in the system long enough. He's probably been a little scared by, you know, being dropped by Richmond and having to find a second chance. He's had a look at his football career flash by and I think he's going to be hungry for a second chance and uh, look, there's probably going to be spots available for him. I think he can nail one down. And I, I think, yeah, Roos fans should remember the name uh, Connor Menadju as they look into this year. Yeah, I um, I just hope we get blokes that can hit targets. That's my number one recruiting goal after watching them practice game on the weekend. Uh, let's, let's head across the border to Adelaide again. Port Adelaide this time. Uh, you'd, have them, you'd have them sitting, what? Range of first to second, Tom. You're pretty bullish. I am bullish. Might have stretched the floor a little bit further. Um, look, the, obviously, they have premiership credentials. Uh, they were just a bit of polish away from coming in, well, making a grand final for one last year. Just a few silly free kicks and a few moments that they'd like again. Um, but, you know, they, they've gone to the well. They've added Orazio, who will add a little bit of class up forward if he even gets a game in that forward line. Same with Aliyah, Aliyah down back. They've got a bit of key position depth. Uh, led by Tom Jonas down there. You know, obviously, you know, Travis Boak is getting a little bit older, but, you know, Pal Pepper and Wines and, you know, Tommy Rockcliffe's still there. They've still got blokes that can find the footy and get it to where it needs to go. A lot riding on Charlie Dixon, but he is a key forward who's shown he can kick goals and lead a side's goal kicking. Um, yeah, so their, their upper echelon is, is good enough to win the whole thing. So their ceiling for me is a premiership. At worst, maybe as we saw, uh, I think it was 2014, they flew out of the block, surprised us all, and you know, we're a kick away from beating Hawthorne in a granny. Then the next year with premiership expectations, they just dropped off a bit the power, and and that sort of 2015 sent them on this little spiral where they've been yo-yoing up and down. So that's the worry for me is that you know they're consistent one year, inconsistent the next. Um, we don't know what power we're going to get. Um, you know, they yo-yo back up, obviously, last year. Well, they're by type due to drop down. So I, I have their their floor as sixth, which some might find hard to believe given, yeah, they will have a home advantage uh, over in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, funny things can sometimes happen in those walls. So I can't, can't lock them in too tight. So first to sixth for me, Seb. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I Yeah, I think there's almost no way they don't finish top four. Uh, but they're certainly in that top five, six sides in the comp. Uh, now, I've gone – look, I guess it's a positive for Port, but it's a real negative for Adelaide. Uh, I think Port will have the first 100-point win in a showdown, and they will absolutely thump Adelaide at some stage. They obviously play them twice, but, uh, yeah, the Port have got the wood on them this year. 
Yeah, dare I say, not not too extreme that one. I, I could definitely see that one uh, happening. That might be closer to reality than we think. I think what was it last year? A seventy odd point win, which was a record at the time. They'll be going yep. for that. Yeah. Um, look, my extreme one, and yeah, given Eddie's gone away, maybe it might not be as extreme. But uh, the old prison bar jumper to become their new home strip. I know they've fought tooth and nail to wear it in just these random games throughout the years, but you know, maybe this is the year with Eddie gone that they finally get that voice in the AFL and they finally get that beloved, uh, beloved prison bar jumper through. I, I actually love their home Guernsey. So, uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But there's a lot of history behind that prison bar jumper and there has been a massive push, particularly I think last year was their 140th year. So, um, you know, no Eddie, they might be a chance to get that one through. Um I've got to remember me, Seb, and I actually had to really scour here because I thought it, instead of him being in the playing column, he should be in the coaching column. But Tyson Goldsack is on Port Adelaide's list in 2021, wearing number 50. Is he really? That is correct. Oh, I <laughs> to believe year, year out of the game, I'm pretty sure, and, and he's back. So, look, I, I wouldn't expect him to play any sort of games at AFL level, but if he can be a voice for the young backman coming through, Riley Bonner, jumps to mind for uh for the power uh look if he can be a quality voice and help them then power to him but uh interesting that he he made the playing list he was going to be port adelaide's sample leadership player in 2020 but thanks to covid never got there oh there you go there's the inside word yeah so he retired at 2019 spent 2020 as a development coach and then i don't know they've put him on a list bizarre i wouldn't waste a list spot with him like He's not going to help you win a game in September or October whenever they run the finals. But had a fair, forced out a decent career down there at Collingwood for, for what he was. So good luck, Tyson. Good luck from the 12 Rose back family. Uh, let's go to the three out of four premiers, Richmond. Uh, anything interesting here with their, their ceiling or you played it safe like the port ceiling? Yeah, no, did take the uh, the safe route with this one. Obviously, they're not uh, getting... Well, the jury's out on whether they'll get any worse, but they've got all the talent. They've got Dusty. Koch is still going around. Tom Lynch up there. Uh, Grimes down back. Um, you know, they've got depth all over the park. They've got, yeah, players that can perform at, at on the big stage. Um, you know, they... Now they get to come back to their beloved MCG. I think they're going to absolutely love it. The Tigers, their, their ceiling is a third flag in a row and four and five years. So, um, yeah, it, their list ha- has it all. It's just whether or not, yeah, the motivational factor for them and a bit of the off-field niggle that we've seen bubbling around and just really starting to sort of rock the, not rock the foundations, but it is rocking the Tiger Land house down there at Punt Road. Um, that just has me asking questions. Now, I did have their four as sixth. That might be a bit of a stretch. Maybe out, yeah, maybe fourth. I think they're, they're pretty safe for top four, but... Look, you don't know, and you don't know when they've had this much success, uh, what what that cliff looks like. I know we saw uh, both Port Adelaide and Brisbane in that early 2000s really fall off that cliff. And, yeah, even the Crows recently made a granny. They dropped off, um, you know, the Hawks, they've dropped off after their magnificent success. So don't know if this is the year for the Tigers, but you just don't know what that uh, motivational factor will do to a club. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I'm uh, I'm tipping they won't win a final this year. I 
<laughs> it's starting. Uh, I think they've taken advantage of multiple situations and I'm sort of, the gambler in me is telling me their luck is running out and their, look, everyone talks about their great culture. I think that's going to be exposed as just a myth of, they've just had the players buy in and the culture is secondary to that. Uh, and I'm saying that at win a final this year. What say you? That is extreme. Well, I'm, I'm jumping down a similar route. I'm thinking come mid-season, a few of these issues bubbling over. It's getting a bit crazy at Tigerland. Their injuries are hitting, which we haven't really seen. Who knows? They might affect their back line and they might come a knock with a little bit of mid-season drafting of Alex Brantz. I know there's been rumours swirling that he's been behind the scenes interested in making a return to the game. Uh, I haven't seen the condition he's in, but strikes me as someone that would be staying fit. Uh, look, stranger things have happened. Could we see Alex France return to the Tigers lineup and maybe help him steady the ship in rough waters? I'd be stunned, but I love it. I can see it happening too. <laughs> And one, one for Tigers fans to uh, remember, he was a father-son a couple of years ago, came in with massive raps. They got him for a steal, given the father-son rules at the time. Uh, and that's Patrick Nash. Now, he hasn't been able to crack it into the Tigers lineup uh, just as yet, given the high level of quality there. But, you know, as we've seen with successful teams, that depth gets eroded away. Teams uh, coming nipping at those players on the fringe. A few of them... Uh, have ducked off, so it might be Patrick's chance just to just to grab it and, and really show why he was that next generation talent that uh, that they were after. Yep, that's certainly one to remember. Uh, let's go to everyone's favourite, the St Kilda Saints. So, look, a lot a lot of uh, followers here, and and a few considering turning it off. Please stay with me. Great, great uh, content coming up. No, uh, I'll, I'll get straight into it. Um, I've got our ceiling as fourth. So cracking the top four, um, some would say, oh, Tom, what are you doing? Obviously, you talk about Saints as if they're a top two. Look, top four for now, um, obviously a lot of talent on the list and a lot of improvement that we saw last year, uh, particularly Hunter Clark, Nick Caulfield, Jack Steele, uh, Max King, a lot of good young names there. Jay Gresham comes back. Uh, the question for me is how we handle uh, the fixture, given that we came top six, so we're in that top six bracket. A lot more difficulty in terms of the fixture this year. Uh, obviously, Ratton's game plan, another year of analysis, how that uh, handles. But um, look, I am I am bullish. I do think that ceiling of fourth is fair. I think if we can you know, use that forward line to our advantage with its flexibility, given you've got Battle, uh, Membry, King, and then you've got your Smalls, Loney, Sinclair, Billings, Gresham, uh, Higgins added to it. Uh, you know, that that seems ideal. Brad Crouch gets added to that midfield. Longer games, Brad Hill comes into it. Uh, and down back, you've got uh, the steadiness of Dougal Howard and uh, Callum Wilkie. So, uh Look, I think fourth's uh, not, a, not a stretch, uh, but then our floor, yeah, look, things could go wrong. Teams could work us out. Um, you know, what happens if we get hit by injuries? That uh, layer that we saw sort of exposed in that uh, semi-final with a few players at the VFL Naturals getting a game. So, look, at, at worst, I think, you know, we, we slip slightly out of the eight, maybe, maybe ninth or uh, maybe tenth. 
um, as an absolute floor. Um, but I think you'll find that we, we have enough talent and we can win enough games to uh, make that top eight. You giving in that some thought, Tom? Uh, just, a t- just a smidge. Love it. Uh, I'll, I'll be stunned if you do finish fourth. But, yeah, no, I, I, or do I say it's out of the realm of possibility? I can't say that. I can't say it's out of the realm of possibility. So, yep, I'm happy with that as your ceiling. So you're saying there's a chance. Yep, there's a chance. Uh, in a surprisingly positive move from me, Tim Membry will win the Coleman medal. Jeez, that, well, we'd be pushing top four, I think, if that does happen. That Yeah, you've liked what you've seen of, of Tim over the years. Yeah, yeah, I rented a house to him once. Um, that's a true story. Yeah. Uh, good bloke. Uh, I Look, I can see the Saints kicking lots of goals this year. And th- when things are going well, you're going to pile on against teams like, dare I say it, my beloved Ruse. Uh, so since things are going well, I can see him kicking some bags. I don't necessarily think he's a bloke who stands up in a final and kicks five goals and wins it for you. But common medal, here we come. I'm on the Tim Membry train. I like it. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we might. Uh, give Max King a whirl at that five goal and a final whirl. Let's see if he can do that. That'd be great scenes. Um, those where the goals are. I've gone down the other end of the ground for my uh, extreme prediction and not extreme to Saints fans, but extreme to the wider competition. Now there's a bloke that was accounting in South Australia when the Saints came knocking in the rookie draft a couple of years ago called Callum Wilkie. And we drafted him out of absolute nowhere. He was a rookie pick and he hasn't missed a game since he's played all uh, 46 games since um, hasn't missed a beat. He's in your Sean Dempster mode that he just nails down a defender and you know that bloke's not getting a kick. He's taken scalps left, right and centre. I think he's primed after another preseason and my extreme Saints prediction is that he'll be all Australian in 2021. All Australian? So we are, look, we are going extreme. I love what he does though. This kind of role isn't usually acknowledged by all Australians so keeping that in mind with the uh, extremities that I've gone here but um, yeah just just having a, a bit of fun there and giving credit to a bloke who is in your yeah classic defensive mode uh, you don't get a whole lot uh, of press so I'm, I'm giving some here and look in some extreme scenario I could see that happening. I like it Tom I just want to just let you know he's only played 41 games. Oh 41 oh no so yeah shortened short season I've done the maths time, on the, but, uh, uh, the standard year no no that's fair enough and uh, one for Saints fans. Now, we, we haven't seen this bloke through a, a slew of uh, different injuries that he's had over the years, but uh, with a few um, injuries coming through, uh, we saw Ben Patton with that freak uh, leg accident, and we also dropped uh, Shane Savage, or Savage as he's also known. Um, Jimmy Webster's got a chance to actually nail down on that halfback slot. Now, a few years ago, if you'd ask Saints fans, we had a ton of halfbackers um, and Dylan Robertson, who's actually just retired. He's off the uh, list as well. So just a chance here for Jimmy who, who played a solid level back in, I think 2017, 18 uh, under Richo um, showed some signs. Yes. He was your sort of suckling mode of he's either going to hit this absolute 10 cent piece kick, or he is going to shank it. But when he hits it, he hits it. I think he'll love the, quality of the side he's playing in given that he hasn't seen too many winning sides I think he might be one to watch for the Saints fans and even for your super coach Seb I'll keep an eye on him I'll make sure I get him in the draft (laughs) moving on to the Swans so 
I, I look, there's a lot of good press, a lot of good young talent coming through the Swans. Obviously, we know about the big names in Heaney, Mills, Blakey. Um, they've gone and drafted another one in Logan McDonald. So, look, and they've got McCartan as well. So, they, look, they're building some nice quality talent, the Swans. What are we going to see out of Buddy is my question. That's the massive question for the Swans. Um, does he get out there? Does he play any sort of football this year? Do we see him at any sort of level? I think if at best case they can get him out on the park performing as he does, you know, they've still got those quality names. Luke Park is one who's just borderline forgotten by the competition. He is still a star. Um, do they have enough to string together those 12, 13 wins to come top eight? I don't think so, but I think at best the Swannies can knock on that door. Uh, ninth might be a nice ceiling for them. On the other side, as we said, a lot of youngsters, a lot of uh, players still finding their way and getting used to Longmire's voice there. Um, I think they are better than the bottom four, but just on the edge there is their floor, and I've got them 14th. So ninth to 14th for the, let's hope, Buddy, Buddy and the Swans there. Yep, yep, I think that's where they sit. Uh, yeah, it's funny you should say that. I envision a scenario where Buddy retires this year without actually getting back on the field. Uh, Jeez. I think they'll do everything they can to, even if he says, I'm retiring, I've had enough to get him a farewell game. Uh, but I think his body's cooked. And if, like, he couldn't get back last year with a three month layoff in the middle of the year, how's he going to, like, yeah, that's the question, isn't it? How long do you need? I think, I definitely think it's his last year, even if he does play. Um, you yeah, know, you might chase that elusive a thousand goals because I think if he kicks a thousand, it's it's the equivalent of kicking fifteen hundred back in the nineties. Just absurd amount of goals. Of, yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't see him getting a fairy tale finish down there or up there in Sydney. Yeah. So look. We both were, the Lance is the question for the Swans this year. He's also my remember me that I've got for the Swannies, given, yeah, his influence on the club. Yeah, knocking on that door for a 1,000. And I just hope he plays just to get that. I think it would be fantastic for the game, hopefully in Melbourne, and we can run on the Oval as they did back in the day. Geez, we haven't seen that for a while. He was the last bloke to do it, actually. Um, my extreme view, and, and one that I, I don't know if it actually is too extreme, but they're a well-run club up there, the Swans, and they know what they're doing and they've done it before, but I could see a second coaching handover as Longmire steps Ooh. away and a new assistant comes in. Now, Paul Roo's left and the Swans weren't exactly struggling. Longmire's been there for a long time. He's been, you know, at, the Swans are the kind of club, I think, that would value testing out a new voice. They've probably put things in place to bring through the next coach. Um, I, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that we see some sort of hand over there. That's how they would do it. It worked last time. Um, yeah, backing uh, Tommy Harley running the club there to to get that one right. I don't think that's too extreme. I could see it happening. Yeah, I I, I think he's not so much at the end of his tenure, but I can see a scenario where all parties sort of work out it's the best move and it's one of those pre-negotiated ones where no one fires, no one retires. It just sort of, we all part ways and move on. Uh, I think if he had it done it a year earlier, North Melbourne would have been knocking at his door. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now you reckon we've forgotten a bit, a little bit about Lance Franklin over the journey. Not, not so much forgotten about him, but I think, you know, we, we obviously had the COVID year and other players were able to jump up, but he is a dead set competition star. So 
look, he, he needs he's a man with no introduction, but I've given him one anyway. But uh, yeah, Lance Franklin, huge for the Swans if he can get back in any form. And yeah, like we said, if he can kick that thousand goals, it it that'll be a, a decade highlight, you know, for this twenty twenties decade. Uh, last chance we'll get to see someone do that. Yeah, that that's that yeah, that's crazy as it is. So I look, I hope we do see it. So come on, buddy, get yourself right and get back out there. Yep. Let's jump to Perth. Uh, this is a wide range, Tom. Uh, walk me through it. West Coast, you've got them between first and eighth. Yeah, so <laughs> wide range. Did it earlier this afternoon. Probably could tighten it up a smidge. But I, I look, I think the Eagles have everything they need uh, to push for a flag. Obviously, um, the list there is is still quality. Yes, there's a little bit of ageing. But, geez, when you've got... Nui tapping it down to his pick of Kelly, Shuey, Redden, Yo, you know, the options are plentiful and he's got Darling, Kennedy, Liam Ryan up forward and then and Herney's getting a little bit older, but he's still coming off half back and Brad Shepard's no slouch and then Gaff on a wing. So look, big names, big performers, um, and that's all across the ground. So they really tick a box. They'll play at uh, Optus over there and they'll, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they usually win... 80% plus at uh, over there. And then if they can snag a few and, and get a few soft games over on the East coast, then I think they'll be uh, right up there. And I think, yeah, if they can click like they did in 2018, a flag's not out of the possibility for the Eagles. So I've got first as their ceiling, but their floor. Yeah. Like you said, I've, I've got eighth. So just the hub niggle that just wouldn't go away last year. They just couldn't shake it. Whether or not we see hubs this year or not is beside it. It's just how they cope with that travel and and just how they bond as a group and how they handle, I guess, whether it's pressure. Maybe we don't see it as much here in Victoria, but that WA press over there saying, you know, their flag fancies and how they travel with that. I think, um, you know, maybe they let a few games here and there slide at home, but those add up when you're not winning away. So, um, look, eighth is probably a stretch, but I think, look, their final's bound, but it's just where in that ladder they end up. But I think the top eight is a fair range for them. I think it's a fair range. I see a scenario, and this is my extreme prediction, where a couple of injuries, Nick Nat has been known to have an injury or two, and the age of their list overall starts to catch up with them, and they're just not able to, to bang out some of those games they just need to win. Uh, over the year to, to get into the finals combined with a little bit of a hub scenario where they're not, they're spending two, three weeks in a row away from home. Uh, so I'm saying they missed the eight. You missed the eight. Yep. That's huge. And that, that'll sting certain cousins of yours too. Um, that, they, that's look, that's why I had eighth as a range. I mean, you've taken it one step further, but look, it doesn't take <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot to for something to go wrong, and as particularly with the AFL trying to keep everything close and even, a win here or there could be the difference between ninth and, and sixth or fifth or whatever. So, uh, not not too uh, far out of range there. I've gone one uh, leaf out of your book with a Coleman medal tip. I, I think Flying Ryan is primed to absolutely explode, and you know. Kennedy aging a little bit. There's opportunities coming up in that forward line and, and he's just getting better. So I know Coleman That's might a be a stretch, but it is extreme. I think he is going no, to lead their goal it. kicking at least. And uh, I think, geez, how good would the comp be if he won the Coleman? Because he will kick some absolute ripper goals and a lot of them if he wins a Coleman. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Uh, last small forward to win the Coleman. 
Yeah, you probably have to go. Did, a fair did while Lacroix back. ever win one? No. No. Look, Lacroix, when you say his name, I just picture that bag of 12 he kicked against the Dons. But um, look, it, it's been a fair while. We that might have to go to the history books for that one. Yep. Yep. We'll look but, it up. Uh, it's been if a while. you know, write in, listeners. Write in if you know the answer to that. Uh, and we've forgotten, I believe, an ex yeah. Brisbane Lion. Yeah, so a little bit of a trade uh, week steal was uh, Alex Witherden. I think he, he showed enough uh, at Brisbane that he can be a, an accumulator and he, he can find the footy and use it off halfback. The Lions sort of went down a different route with uh, Grant Birchall there and, and youngsters coming through. So he, he lost his spot there. But look, as we said before, when you see your footy mortality in front of you, it can shake a bloke. And, and I think he'll be one of them. He'll be keen to get a spot there on the on them really use it. I know, you know, Shannon Herney's the man down there. So he might just sneak a, you know, a second or third forward and he might just get back to those accumulating ways and on the uh, expanses of a G or Optus, which are the same dimensions these days, I think he'll find some room and, and he might just get off the chain in more than a few games next year or this year. Sorry. Yep. Yep. It'd be good to see him back and firing. Lucky last, uh, the sons of the West. The Western Bulldogs, the Footscray Western Bulldogs, where where are they sitting? What's, yeah, what's the so range in, here? Interesting range for the team that went out in last year's elimination final. Uh, we all know that one. <laughs> um, so, look, I'm bullish about the dogs there, pun intended. So, yeah, they've they've gone in. They've added, obviously, Adam Trelaw. He's the big one. But the one that I want to have a look at is Steph Martin. That they've added into the ruck there. I think he is a fantastic addition to give Tim English a, a, a chop out there. Um, they'll just build as a nice little duo and, and he'll get the rest that he needs English and he can actually mark it around the ground fantastically. So if he, he can sort of add that intercepting Ruckman to the game. I mean, there's not too many of them going around, so that's frightening for the competition. And geez, I, I think the dogs midfield, which includes McRae, Bont, Trelaw, Dunkley will absolutely love being uh, underneath Stefan Martin uh, and English there with their tap work. Um, yeah, obviously, Trelaw adds a bit of a speed factor into their midfield. And look, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that they could actually go all the way, the Dogs. I think they've obviously retooled since that fluke 2016 flag. Um, and they've gone back to the well, but they've still got all that talent. Bont, McRae, I mean, they're all Australian and they are high quality. Dunkley off last year, but still quality. And obviously, Trelaw can find the footy. Um you know, whether their back line can take them to that next level. Caleb Daniel did show that he is, uh, you know, high enough quality there, but can he get some help? Does Johannesson get back to his old uh, line-breaking ways? Look, first is not out of the realms of possibility. On the other side, they have shown uh, a tendency, the dogs, to show inconsistency and take a few rounds and a few, you know, a month here or there to get going and get a streak going. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think they can push and win a final. So I've, I've got their ceiling as sixth. Maybe that's slightly overs. But, uh, yeah, I, I think sixth is probably fair for them. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the range. Uh, I'm bullish on them as well. Uh, my question mark is where do their goals come from? But uh, as you sort of mentioned, Steph Martin coming in, giving Tim English a chop out slash allowing him to drift forward a little bit more uh, is a big... Big in and, and Steph Martin's been unheralded over his career at both Melbourne and Brisbane. Um, he just he just works and works hard, and he's never been a great tap ruckman or this and that and the other. But he doesn't get beat either, and I think yeah, that's, that's really right. important. And 
I could see a scenario where they're both playing significant time out on the ground and just sort of sharing the duties back and forth and that sort of thing. Uh, so, yeah, give me something extreme for the dogs. What have, what have you got for them? We're both bullish. They are going to have a patch of games and they're going to win 10 games in a row. Jesus, that would be almost a team record. I don't know the Bulldogs win streak, but that would be pushing it given the scray history. But 10 yep. in a row, look, I could see that too. I don't think that's too extreme. Yep. No, I just – they're the sort of team – they could have three – they could lose three in a row and then get hot and then just start wheeling them off. And I think they've got a friendly schedule to sort of achieve that, obviously having dropped that elimination final and dropping into that middle bracket, as you like to remind us. Uh so I've got them winning 10 in a row. What's what say you? What extreme prediction have you got? Yeah, I feel like I need to come with you, given I've, I've got my prediction here. And dare I say, it's probably not that extreme unless you really rate the Bont as a Brownlow chance. But I think you'll find on Brownlow night that McRae, Bont, Trelaw, Dunkley are all going to be vote-pinching off each other and you will not see a Bulldogs player win the Brownlow next year, uh, this year. Yeah, you probably, extreme, you probably I guess, but... given that uh, there's other names and, you know, Fife, Neil, uh, Martin, Danger, there's obviously a lot of quality. But I, I think the Bont isn't without his charms. I had him as my season MVP, but I can't picture a scenario where the Dogs take the Brownlow home in 2021. I Yeah, look, you're right in saying it's probably not extreme, but I like to think at least this way we'll get one right across the uh, the 36 extreme predictions we've just made. I think there's a fair chance we'll get one away. Beautiful. That wraps it up for our season preview for 2021. Let's hope it's the season we're all hoping for and the fans can flood to the footy and see their team week in, week out. I know there was a lot to take in there and there's a lot of quality uh, football ahead of us and a lot of... Uh, more, sorry, further podcasts to cover. It's going to be fantastic, Seb. I can't wait for it. I'm with you, Tom. It's a big year. There's a lot happening, and I cannot wait to get into it. So keep your dial the 12 rows back, and we'll bring you all the football talk, and uh, let's get into it. <laughs>